Good morning. My name is Jim Barcliffe, pastor at Lighthouse Fellowship, and we're glad that you've joined us. We have those of you here in the congregation today and y'all watching. Uh, it's a pleasure. It's a real privilege also to be able to share the word of God uh, with each and every one of you today. I pray that you're safe and that God is blessing you. And no matter what you're going through, our God says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So we thank him. Amen. We can say thank you, Jesus. For giving us salvation, giving us deliverance, giving us health, and so forth. No matter what we see, because we know that he's our healer. And I pray that God will heal you if you're sick today. And so may God bless you as we share from his word. We thank you for joining us. So let's bow with prayer as we begin. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the privilege of coming together under the banner and the love of Jesus. We thank you, Lord, that... Uh, you are Lord over all. And your name is exalted above all the earth. And Father, today as we just sang, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And I pray today, Father, why not that we do that today? That, Lord, we bow our hearts this day and we recognize that you're the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That, Lord, you're over all and you're in all. And, dear Lord, today, we know that you, Jesus, hold everything together according to the word of God. And we ask you today, Father, that you would speak to our hearts, that you would stir in our hearts something so deep down within us. We would say this is supernatural and it just can't happen without God's intervention. And, Father, we need you here in this church. We need you in the body of Christ. We need you in this country we need you around the world. But Lord, we're praying specifically, Lord, for this city called Houston, Texas and around the perimeters. And we ask you, Lord, in your church, your body, raise us up for such a time as this that we may, Lord, be instilled with power. And dear God, go forth and proclaim the good news, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray today, Father that your word would go forth because you said it's living and active and it's sharper than a double-edged sword. So, Lord, today, pierce our hearts, touch us. Lord, we ask you today that because of your word, dear Lord, that you would come and you would raise us up, that, dear Lord, we would be convicted and we would be stirred and we would be empowered, dear Lord, by your spirit to go forth into the harvest. We know it's ripe. It's ready. Help us, Lord, to keep our focus upon you and to give you praise. Dear Lord, today, we want to praise you all every moment of every day. We want to commune with you every moment, every day. We want to walk in the spirit, Father, not fulfill and gratify the lust of the flesh, Lord, every moment, every day. And Father, forgive us when we fail to do that. Please forgive us. Cleanse us, Lord. And Lord, make us more like Jesus. We pray today that, Lord, if somehow we've stumbled this week, that, Lord, we get back up. We would run to Jesus. We would run to his open arms because he never turns away and he's always willing to forgive as we confess our sins to him. He's faithful and he's just and he'll cleanse us of all unrighteousness. We pray today, Father, that you'd set people free. Set the captive free, Lord, here and also those who are watching by the power of your spirit. Set us free, Lord. We want to walk in the freedom that you give so, so freely as we yield our hearts to Christ. We love you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Speak now. Let me get out of the way. And let your word and your truth go forth. Touch us. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. 
Amen. We're looking at Galatians chapter 5 again this week, and we're going to look at the, the verse last week that we looked at, verses 22 and 23. And we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit. Now, you notice it's not the fruits of the Spirit. It's actually the fruit. And actually what he's talking about, and we'll share a little bit about that in a minute. But let's read the Scripture together in verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Look at it, the fruit. Actually, when you're walking in the Spirit, those who walk in the Spirit will obviously bear the fruit. And so the fruit is the whole thing, love and joy and peace and kindness and self-control. We're not talking about just one. Well, you know, I want to exhibit each and every one. But you think how they all go together. And the first one you notice is love. We haven't talked about that. But you obviously exhibit that because love. You know, sometimes in this world, you know, obviously it's hard I look at it and I'm going, man, I can't love. I can't love that person. I can't go out of my way to do something good to those who are my enemies and so forth. And God is changing our hearts that we'll look at people differently. We'll see people the way Jesus sees them. It's most important that we keep that in mind because we know that we look at them in a certain way. We look them up and down. We look how they're dressed. We look how they talk. We look how they act. We look at their attitudes. We look at everything except in how Jesus looks at us. Do you know, obviously, if Jesus looked at us that way, we would have been rejected a long time ago, wouldn't we? He would have walked away and said, you're a hopeless case, Jim. And, you know, you just try to do a little bit better and and then maybe come back to me and maybe we can get it right. But that's not what he says. He looks at us and he says, I'm going to give you grace I'm going to give you grace for whatever situation that you're in today, whatever uh, calamity, no matter whether you're confused or whether or not you're walking and you're saying, I don't know what the future holds for me. I don't know what's going on in my life and so forth. Jesus Christ is the answer and he will see us through. He gives us grace every day. Do we realize that amazing grace? It's not just when we're saved, but the same grace sustains us. The same grace gives us strength every day to get up and down, even though you say, well, my knees are hurting, my back's hurting or whatever. I've had tremendous changes in my life and so forth. Do you know that God gives us grace? And if he would withdraw that grace, do you realize where we would be? We wouldn't be able to make it. It's grace by the grace of God. I I am what I am. The Apostle Paul certainly said that, too. And so we look at peace today. And so peace is something that we all long for because it is a longing of humanity. Throughout the ages, peace has been there. And it's always there. And we see here today, you know, the Bible says to to pray in the Psalms that we're to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. The ultimate peace will not take place until Jesus Christ comes back and rules and reigns on this earth again. When he comes back, he came, obviously, as that lamb, The Lamb of God. Remember John the Baptist said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. But you know, He's coming back as the Lion of Judah. He's coming back to take over again. He's in control now. But He allows Satan a certain amount of rope to be able to do certain things. And what does that mean? Why is He doing that? I'm going, don't you just say, Hey, why don't you just rid this world of of Satan and so forth? And yes, He could. But to be able to fulfill his perfect plan in the perfect mind of God is that he allows him to be here so that he can work in our lives and make us more like Jesus. And you're going, man, what a rough way to do that. 
And yes, it is in our estimation. But you see God in his his perfection, the way he thinks and what he does, if you think of it that way, is that he he fulfills these things perfectly in your life and my life. And you may be sitting there today and say, well, you know, I don't feel a whole lot like Jesus today. (laughs) Okay, feelings are, are fickle, right? They vacillate back and forth. But he's saying, this is what I'm going to do. See, we've been predestined, according to Romans chapter 8, to come in the image of Jesus. Things have have been placed there already in place that we will be more like Jesus. But we need peace along this way. There are countries fighting today. There are people fighting. There are families fighting. There are societies that's fighting. Communities are fighting. You know, governments are fighting. Every aspect of, co- of, our, of our society is under some type of fight and chaos and, and desire for control and power and all those things. And so how can you and I keep peace in this situation? I'm talking about not that things will get straightened out because they may, they're not going to get straightened out until Jesus comes back. But I'm talking about an inner peace that will obviously you can maintain and stay on the course that Jesus has for you. The title of this message is How to Have and to Maintain That Peace Here. And there are three types of peace here. Certainly is, obviously, the peace with God. In Romans chapter 5, verse 1, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ reconciled us to God the Father. He obviously made it right. He justified. What does justified mean? Justified real simply means just as if I've never sinned. Isn't that good news? Because we all know that we, we have messed up. I call it flub the dub. We've always done that. We have sinned and come. Uh, the Bible says in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Everybody has sinned. And yet Jesus made it so just as if we had not sinned between the Father. Because see, the, the perfection in our Father, the holiness of God, we would never be able to approach Him in that way without the shed blood of Jesus, about his plan coming into being exactly the way that he desires. And so the peace with God is the first type of peace. And the Bible says in Isaiah 53, 6, all we like sheep have gone astray and we turned everyone to his own way. Because of our sin, we're at war with God. The word is enmity. Do you know? Because of that. If you are not saved today, you're at war with God, basically. You're, you're at war with God and you don't want to be at war with God because he's all powerful. He's all knowing. He's all present. And so Jonathan Edwards, there was a great 18th century colonial American theologian and preacher vividly. Maybe some of you have heard about him and some of the things he's done. And he illustrated God's attitude towards sin in his sermon. Sinners in the hands of an angry God. In his famous, famous service sermon, He accurately portrayed mankind as sinful and separated from God and deserving of his judgment. He graphically pictured lost men and women hanging by a slender frame rope over hell. Any minute ready to plunge into the eternity of judgment. His sermon was so vivid and powerful that God used it to convert many sinners to Christ and began a great revival to American colonies in a time of great moral decline known as the Great Awakening. You know, many people in there, I've read stories about Jonathan Edwards, and people would say, we're just barely hanging on, and if God lets us go, we're going to fall into the depths of eternal damnation. They felt that. They were experiencing that depth of darkness. 
and that depth of separation from God. And many cried out for forgiveness and repented of their sins. And that means changing your mind and changing your direction. And they asked Jesus Christ to come into their lives. Now, don't we need some of that today? Won't you pray for me that I'll preach like Jonathan Edwards, please? Would you? So that obviously people would get converted today. So communities would be changed because Jesus Christ is the only one that can change our hearts. We can't make ourselves better. We can't pick ourselves up by our bootstraps and do a little bit better. We can't manage to be able to reach the perfection of a holy God. Only the blood of Jesus can bring that about. Jonathan Edwards preached under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. People felt like they were getting ready to drop into hell. I remember in some of the stories there, they felt like the earth was getting ready to open up and swallow them up. And that. that's actually what they felt. In fact, many of them, some of them were sitting in chairs and so forth over the time in different revivals that have taken place. And they, they obviously fell, fell out of their chairs and cried out for forgiveness. Why? It's because what, like we just sang about, I'm desperate for you. God's Spirit has to work that in our lives. We can't work that up in our own flesh. God's Spirit's got to move and say, I'm desperate for you and I'm lost without you. Do we know that? But you know what we can do? We can ask God. Work that in our hearts, Holy Spirit. I want to know you in that depth. I want to know how great a salvation that you have provided, you see, because we want peace with God. God loves us. And He's devised a, a means where we can be at peace with God here. Obviously, praise of, with peace with God is when a sinner turns to God and is reconciled to Him. And when this occurs, the guilty sinner and the judge of the universe are no longer in conflict with one another. The relationship changes from sinner before eternal judge to child before His, his, his heavenly Father, you see, at that time. It changes when we're converted. It changes as we are a child of God. You've been saved. We are children of God. Isn't that good news? Before that time, we were sinners. We were on our way away from God. Nothing in us, obviously, desired to have anything to do about the things of God. God's Spirit drew us. And somehow, by His grace, we yielded and bowed our hearts and said, come into my life because I want peace with you. You see, the Bible says that eternity is set in every man's heart. There's an emptiness in every man's heart. And you know what we do? We sometimes we try to, to fill that emptiness with everything under the sun. Drugs and, and addictions and habits and things and all of that. The enemy has obviously so deceived us to think that somehow that would satisfy. And see, today God is saying, change your mind about that. Change your heart and come before me. I want to revive you. I want to awaken you. I want you to know me intimately. That's what he's telling us today. You want peace with God, you see. The second kind of peace the Bible speaks about is peace of God. Peace of God. In Philippians 4, verse 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. You want, obviously, the peace of God? If you're sitting here today, you don't know what the future holds or maybe there's there's some type something going on around you in your community or in your family or wherever it may be. We want peace, don't we? He says this, pray about all things. He says, come before me and I will give you peace if you ask me. I will do that, you see. The peace of God may be defined as an inward spirit of tranquility and serenity of heart and mind that abides even in the midst of trouble 
in trial. Down deep, there is tranquility. Down deep, there's peace and, and something you can't explain. Listen to this story. The story is told of two artists who set out to, to paint a picture representing perfect peace. The first artist painting depicted a carefree boy sitting in a boat on a small placid lake without even a ripple to disturb the surface. But the other artist, listen to this, painted a raging waterfall with winds whipping the spray about. And but on a limb overhanging the swirling water, a bird had built its nest and sat peacefully brooding her eggs. Here she was, safe from her enemies, shielded and protected by the roaring waterfall. She's sitting there, total peace. Don't you want that? When everything around you is breaking loose, when everything around you is falling apart, when everything around you is not making sense and so forth, do you know our God is in control? And our God promises us peace that passes all understanding. Amen? Amen. That's good news, church. That's good news today. Because I don't know about you, if you look around at society today, there looks like certainly there is a crumbling that's taking place. Morality is lower than it's ever been. People do not believe in absolute truth. No one else believes in the Word of God. They just believe that some type of archaic old book that sits on the coffee table and no one ever opens and so forth. A lot of times, that's true in the church today. You know, do you mean I want to live this way? Yes, God gives us power and grace to live that way. So, so I'm not talking about being legalistic here. And I'm not talking about judgment. I'm talking about today. How do you have peace? The peace with God and the peace of God. And the only thing that you can have, the only way is submitting your life to God. Coming to Him. Not giving up. God didn't, Jesus didn't give up. You know, obviously he spat upon. He had the crown of thorns. He was, walking, he was rejected by many people. He was rejected by the people that He came to save. Can you believe it today? If you've ever been rejected, if you've ever been betrayed, let me tell you, there's a wound there in your heart that God will heal. But it's a hurt that no one can describe if you've never experienced it. It's very personal there. To have peace, obviously, of God, you submit yourself just like that bird up there around those waterfalls. Think about it. You know, the waterfall's coming down like it is, and it wasn't that bird just sitting on his egg. Not a worry in the world. Nothing going on today. You know, the Bible, you know, we're a lot, a whole lot more, more than those birds, okay? We're God's children today. But God doesn't want us to be afraid. This COVID situation that's gone on and so forth. I've always said, be careful. And I don't boast in that. But God didn't call us to get for afraid about everything coming along. You know, they begin to talk about, I heard sometime this doctor talking on TV recently. And they were asking, well, Doc, what about the Delta variant? Okay, oh gosh, the, the Delta variant. And he said this, he said this, and it may be true, certainly, I'm sure it is. But listen to the way he put it. And listen to what people probably have heard and it magnified. He goes, that particular virus is very, 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 very contagious. He used the word very about four times. Emphasize that. And every time you hear very, everybody goes, oh my goodness, what's going on today? And what it does, it conjures up fear in people's hearts today. Our God does not give us that spirit of fear. We're not to be afraid. You know, we're not going anywhere until God is ready for us. How many of you believe that? I'm not talking about it. I've always said that. 
I've always said, now go ahead and eat 10 cheeseburgers a day and get clogged arteries. I'm not saying that, okay? I'm saying today, God has a perfect plan for your life and my life. We're not going anywhere. And if he calls us home, praise God, we'll be out of this mess, right? We can't lose. Y'all remember the old preacher, Adrian Rogers. He was a, a pastor there in Memphis, Tennessee. Probably one of the greatest pastors I've ever listened to. Listened to him for years and years. And he was preaching and he got cancer. You know, you wonder, okay, he was a servant of the Lord. You know, all of us, all of us are living in a fallen world because why? This is not our home. This is not where we reside. And he got cancer and he had people praying for healing for him. And he said this one time. I'll never forget what he said. He said, God can heal me. But even if he doesn't, I still win. Right. Amen. So we focus on these. And yes, there are hardships. There are Things that are happening today that obviously will disturb your peace if you allow it. But the peace of God. But we see here, listen to this. The third kind of peace is peace with others. Peace with other people, you see. Hebrews 12, 14. Follow peace with all men and holiness, which without no man shall see God. It's kind of peace is harmony and fellowship that Christians have with others and results from following biblical principles of relationship. If we're following the the biblical relationship, we will have peace with other people. You want peace with other people? You know, you may be sitting in today and say, Jim, you don't know my neighbor. You don't know about my neighbor, okay? Well, I don't. I know about my neighbor. And I know about this and that and all that. And first time something happens, I just don't like what happens. It flares up. You know, I don't want anything to do with that neighbor here. We got somebody, obviously, lives close by. That uh, they're obviously not doing what the Homeowners Association wants to do. They're doing all types of things against that. And I told Cindy, I said, why don't they follow the rules and so forth? How many of you know a lot of people who don't follow the rules? Okay. If you don't, get out here on 45. They're none driving the speed limit. And I don't drive slow. Trust me, I'm confessing that to you. I hope um, DPS doesn't hear me say this. Okay. But I want to tell you, God is saying today, you want peace with other people? Then something's got to happen. Something's got to happen in your life, my life. In Ephesians 4, verse 3, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. He's talking about Christians. Make every effort today. You know, sometimes people have something against me. I'm a preacher, okay? And I know that, okay? And everybody agrees with me about everything and so forth. But you know what? I just say, hey, I love you. I love you. I, I, I want to bless you. And you know, the Bible says to bless our enemies. Even bless those who curse you. My goodness, how in the world are you going to do that? It's something's got to happen. Because if you want peace with others, this has got to take place. Now, let's consider how to live these three kinds of peace. First of all, how can you have peace with God? Well, the first uh, predict thing is, is that you have to recognize your predicament. Okay? A lot of people think, I'm going to heaven. When I was in hospice for all those years... In a lot of cases, there are many, many people today felt they were going to heaven. And I'd go, well, have you ever, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? No, no, but I've been pretty good. Dad's been pretty good. He's been a good fellow. You know, he's done a lot for a lot of people. He's done a lot of things for people today. I'm going, well, but, um, you know, and talking to him further about that, I'm going, yeah, but those good works won't get you in heaven. Does he have a relationship with Jesus Christ today? Has he recognized his predicament? That he's lost without him. We just sang it. We're lost without him. We need Jesus. 
You know, and I want to tell you, we can't get too radical about Jesus Christ. Amen? We cannot get too radical about Him. We can't get too overly excited about Him. I want to tell you, there's no limit. There's no capacity to us in thanking God and praising Him and worshiping Him and so forth. And you say, but I don't want to act like a fanatic and so forth. Well, so be it. You're not a fanatic. What do you think we're going to do around the throne of grace? We're going to be praising Him 24-7, amen? And we're going to be working because He's going to give us assignments. A lot of those things are happening. We obviously have to recognize that our predicament, we're lost without Him. There's no other way. I can't do enough good works. Obviously, I can't preach enough good sermons, okay? It's got to be Jesus and Jesus alone. There'll be people that at one time will stand before the great white throne judgment, which is for those who are not believers. And they'll be have to give an account. They will. But it won't be that they get in heaven as a result of their works. God will judge them at that time. But you see, you and I go before the judgment seat of Christ and we're judged not for our salvation, but for what we did for him and, and, and working with him. We need to obviously have a heads up. I want to tell you, this life counts. This life counts every moment of every day and how we respond, what we do. We fall short of God's righteous standard of perfect holiness in Hebrews 9. And it's appointed unto men once to die and after this, the judgment. The judgment is there. The word of God is not just some archaic book that sits on a coffee table. It is the written word of God. And the Holy Spirit brings it alive in our hearts, recognizing when you open it or when you hear. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's how faith comes. We need faith. Without, without faith, it's impossible to please God according to the word of God. Without having faith, it's impossible, you see. Sinners are alienated from God and separated from possession of eternal life there. The hope of heaven and the blessings of God for Christians here on this earth. Isaiah 59, 2 says, But your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid his face from you, that he will not hear you. You've got to recognize your condition. You've got to accept the doctor's diagnosis. you got to, right? So the second step here, to have peace with God is to recognize our mediator. In Romans 5, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ reconciled us to a holy God, the Father, by giving him his life according to the perfect plan of God Almighty. We have a mediator, don't we? We have someone between ourselves and God Almighty as our mediator. The one who stands in the gap. Isn't that good news, church? Isn't it wonderful? You know, one day Jesus will rule, rule and reign. And you, as we and you, you and I as Christians will rule and reign with him. It's all about Jesus. I could never preach. You know, if I preach now through eternity, I could never preach more about Jesus Christ. I could never, ever come to a, a close and saying, that's it. I've taken and I've given you all of it. I, I could preach on and on and on about Jesus Christ because he is the mediator. He is the one who saved me. He is the one that gave himself for me. He took my sins upon him at Calvary, you see, and your, your sins. He gave himself willingly that you and I could go to heaven. That when we reach that time, when we get ready to take our last breath, is that we know where we're going and we have peace uh, with God. The blood of the cross 
The final step to have peace with God is to understand how we appropriate this reconciliation here. Obviously, we need to receive and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that belief is an active term. It means it's something we take action. A lot of people say, yeah, I believe in Jesus, yeah. You know, but do you know who he is? Do you have him as your personal Lord and Savior? You see, that's what it's about. Is he personal to you? You talk to him. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. Do you know him as your Lord and Savior? We're justified by faith in Jesus Christ. Good works will not get it. So how do you have the peace of God? We're getting to the good stuff here. All of it's good, right? So. Philippians chapter 4, verses 6 through 9, he talks about it here. He said, stop worrying. Verse 6, be careful for nothing. Stop worrying about this and that. About where the next, obviously, amount of money will come in to be able to pay the rent or pay the car payment or be able to put food on the table. He says, stop worrying. Stop worrying. Worrying, obviously, like we said last week, will kill your joy. But also, you won't have the peace of God. Because why? You're wound up in worrying. There are more types of drugs being given today for anxiety and all those types of things that have ever been in the, in the history around here because they're readily available. Instead of looking to the Lord, we immediately run to the doctor. Now, don't get me wrong in that. I'm just saying that we need the peace of God. We stop worrying about it here. Worrying is a waste of time. A study was made. Listen to this. 60% of all our worries are unwarranted. They just never happen. 60% of them. 20% have already become past activities and completely out of our control. 10% are so petty, they don't make any difference at all. And of the remaining 10%, only 4 to 5% are real and justifiable. And of the remaining 5%, you can't do anything about half of them. So it whittles it down. What do we worry about? We worry about everything, don't we? We worry about this and we worry about that. And God is trying to say, stop it. You'll never have the peace of God in your heart if you're worrying about everything that comes up, you see. Worrying doesn't change anything. Everybody knows that, don't they? Worrying doesn't do anything. It just gives me, obviously, ulcers or whatever else it may give me, right? Gives me anxiety. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 27, which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubic into a statue? What, what about that? He's saying, what about worrying? How can you add anything if you're worrying all the time? You'll be incapacitated. It takes and puts you out of commission as a result. That's a good worrying about things does no good whatsoever. But it will cause a lot of harm. A lot of harm. I know this is a reminder. And I know you guys don't worry. You know, at times I had to fight against it too. I had to look back. But you can't have the peace of God if you're worrying all the time. Peter says... In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. What a friend we have in Jesus. That old hymn. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Everybody know that old hymn, don't we? Everything. Pray, pray. How many times when we start worrying, do we stop and say, I'm not going to worry. I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray about it. Think about it. Or does it completely elude you and me? Because we don't stop. We forfeit that peace when we don't stop here. You know, you've heard this little poem. Said the robin to the sparrow, 
I should really like to know why these anxious human beings rush around and worry so. Said the sparrow to the robin, Friend, I think it must be that they have no heavenly father such as cares for you and me. You see? Because that's what that, that's really true. You know, I love to see the birds and we have a bird feed and they come. But sometimes the, the food runs out and I forget to fill it up and so forth and they come looking and so forth. But they look like to me, they're pretty healthy already. I mean, he's taking care of the birds, right? He's taking care of you and me. Has he taken care of us, okay? There have been challenges. We've worked hard and so forth. By the grace of God, he has supplied our needs. And he promises to continue. The tragedy is that we do have a Heavenly Father who cares for you and I. Is that we don't turn our cares over to him. The third key is obviously change our thought, pat thought patterns. Verse 8. Finally, brethren, in, in Philippians. Whatsoever is true, whatsoever things are honest, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things that are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think about these things. The next time you start to worry, turn to this scripture in your mind. Start thinking about the things that are good, the things that are lovely, the things that are praiseworthy. The things that obviously are there in front. Begin to think what happens because you're changing your thought pattern. Remember, your mind is the battleground and your mind, as we talked about, is very important to take that thing under control. You worry about this. You worry about that. Pray about it. Instead, give it to the Lord. Obviously, to change our thought pattern, certainly here. Be positive. Stay away from negative types of things. Stay away from people that are negative and always saying, this will never work. This won't ever work, you see. We could obviously have a lot of things to be negative about in that sense, in the natural. But we're not in the natural. We're supernatural people because we're children of God. In the end, the real key to peace is found there and he trust, he'll keep him in perfect peace whose, whose eyes are stayed upon thee. And that's Isaiah 26.3. He'll keep him in perfect peace whose eyes are stayed upon thee. What does that say? I've got tunnel vision. I see one person. I see Jesus. I see Jesus there over all my issues, over everything that obviously will ever confront me, over every need that I will have. I keep my focus stayed upon here. And then he says he'll keep him in perfect peace. That's God's promise. You claim that. Because he trusts in the Lord. It's about trust, isn't it? And then verse 9, those things which you have... Learn and received and heard and even seen in me. Do and the God of peace will be with you here. One of the primary reasons God's people don't have peace is you can't have the peace of God if you're disobedient to God's word. If you are, you need to obviously be obedient to God. If we have our eyes fixed on TVs, if we have our, our eyes fixed upon the world. We, the news will bring you down. And let me tell you, I told y'all here recently, we had hail damage here uh, last April and last year too. So finally had some leaks and so we had the, our uh, uh, roof put on. So when we had our roof put on, they took down the dish, okay, satellite. They took the dish down. Well, Cindy and I went, well, what are we going to do? We can't watch TV. Well, so be it. And finally, you know what? It was almost like I had like a, a the DTs of coming off the off the TV. 
I was like, when's that man coming? And DirecTV said, we can't get there, Jim, before two weeks. I said, two weeks? And I started catching myself. Two weeks. And I thought, oh my goodness, here I am panicking because the dish is not up there. You see, but I look back, it's a good time. It's a good time. There's some detoxing going on, okay? We need to detox ourselves, it could be said, about these things, you see. And if you want the peace of God? Then don't let that things in. Garbage in and garbage out. Really, you know the old expression. Don't watch that stuff. Don't listen to negativism. When you get negative, if you have a bent towards that, stop it. Stop it. And get positive. Be reminded. I pray God's Spirit will convict all of us. Amen? That's what it's about. Stop it. God will obviously take care of it. We can't do it. This world is presenting everything. Look at the billboards out here. Everything is risque. Everything, obviously, get this and you'll be happy. Go for all the gusto. Just drink this one and you'll be good. Whatever it may be. It does not bring peace. All it does is disrupt it. Why? Because we weren't made for that. We were created in God's image. We're made to have a relationship with Him. He wants that. And He yearns for that. And He'll tug on people's shirt tail all their lives. He's like the hound of heaven. You've heard me say it. The old hound dog. With all respect, not saying God's a dog, obviously. But how an old hound dog will keep pulling at your pants leg. You push him away. Don't want that. Let me have a good time out here. And what happens? You don't have peace. You talk to a lot of people today. And they act like they have peace. When they get ready to die, what do they do? Oh, my goodness. Things change then. Or else they have had it down in their hearts so hard that they believe somehow, well, you know, I don't know what's over on the other side, but I can't do anything about it. And their hearts are so hard, they're not in any way receptive to the truth, the Word of God. We need the peace of God in our situation. We've been studying here, and I hope to get back with it uh, Wednesday night, but we've been studying the book of Revelation. If you want to know about the end times, <clears throat> read the book of Revelation. Read that. Read the book there. The Bible says if you just read it, sort of meditate on it, then you will be blessed. Just read it. Read it. And you see what will happen at the very end. And it's not good. It's an eye-opener. I believe before that time comes that obviously things are getting worse and worse. Things are getting obviously worse and worse. And they're not good. And we need to obviously know where do I have peace in this? I believe there will be a, a ramped up persecution of Christians. I do believe that. I do believe all those things. We're not immune to that because we're here in other foreign countries or are not, you know, obviously we're not in another foreign country. I believe it will have persecution in this church. So what do you do? Look at that, verse 9. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen and may do, and then and only then, the God of peace shall be with you. Lastly, we want to examine how we have peace with others. How is that? We have vertical peace with God, but we have horizontal peace with other people. How is it that we can be? We need to bear with one another. We need to pray for one another. I've always said, if you see a fault in somebody, pray, pray for them about it. Always pray. Always pray. Always stand. Because everybody is going to rub us the wrong way. You're not going to like everything that people do. And it doesn't mean you don't change your value, that you change your values or your standards uh, and so forth. It doesn't mean that. But it means, obviously, bear one another. 
love one another, stand with one another, no matter what they do. The Bible says it's like heaping cold, hot coals on their heads when you do that. Bless them in Jesus name. And they may adamantly disagree with you. Now, again, I'm a student and so are you. And so we're learning, but we can do that because why? God's word says so. He gives us that ability to be able to do that. The second is peaceable. Talking about elaborates on the characteristics of of being peaceable with other people. Uh, Doesn't show partiality, has good fruit, uh, merciful, a teachable spirit here. Be allow God to teach you and so forth. You ever thought about it? How God has extended mercy to us? We are not getting what we deserve. Why not give people the same, obviously, benefit? Don't give them what they deserve. Give them the opposite. Give them what God would give them and bless their holy name because they will all go through different situations here. Peace is how God, one another, accept one another, admonish one another. Admonish means actually warn or reprove forcefully. Admonish. Bear with one another's burdens. Bear with one another. Build one another up. Care for one another. Comfort one another with these words. Confess faults to one another. Confess. Be open. Be humble. The church is a place we can confess these things. And we can pray for one another. We're all in this together, aren't we? Be devoted to one another. Honor one another. Exhort one another. Forgive one another. Greet one another. Be honest with one another. Be hospitable to one another and be kind to one another. Exhort means obviously to strongly encourage. Stand with one another. Be like-minded with one another. Love one another. Pray for one another. Remember that we all are members of one another. We're family. Serve one another and spur one another on. Submit to one another. That's what it's like. You want peace with people? Then give yourself away for one another. It's the only way. You see, Jesus did that, didn't he? He gave himself. And he was rejected. He knew the type of death that he would have to face at that particular time. And it just sometimes just blows me away because we know that um, Jesus came to earth. The Bible says in Galatians that in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. So in the right time, Jesus Christ came to this earth. And God Almighty knew that crucifixion was the means of death at that time, putting people to death. And knowing that probably people say is one of the most horrendous uh, deaths that anybody can go through. Think about it. The nails in in your wrist and your feet, the spear in your side. You actually, what happens we know is that your body collapses and you suffocate, basically. You can't breathe because you can't push up. It's hurting so bad. And you can't get yourself up to be able to breathe. You can't breathe. If you've ever had a, a situation where you cannot breathe and all that, have you ever thought how scary that is? It's real scary. Trust me. Even Christian, when you can't get your breath. I know Cindy with asthma and so forth, she's had a lot of cases like that where she could not breathe. She could not get her breath. It's very scary. It's frightening. This is what happened. Jesus went. So the most horrendous death, I believe, throughout history. I mean, obviously, electric chair is nothing compared or the needle putting that uh, drug in your body and dying. 
It's nothing compared to crucifixion. So at the right time, in the right way, God knew he would send his son into the world to die for the sins of all of mankind. He submitted himself knowing the type of death that he would die. I can't grasp that. My mind can't get around it because of how horrible it is. And so he says that we're his followers. We're obviously to give ourselves away also, aren't we? You know, but first time somebody kind of rejects us, we want to walk away and say, well, they reject us, don't we? You see, we've got to make every effort to hang in there and to give ourselves away. When you give yourself away, there is something that happens in your life, my life. When you do something that you don't really want to do, but what you know is right to do. Have you ever gotten like, wow, I'm blessed as a result of that. And it may have been hard on you. And it may have been obviously something you did not absolutely want to do. And when you do it, what happens? You get touched. It's because what God calls us to do. Submitting. You want peace with other people? Pray for them. Bless them back. Don't curse them. Pray for them and bless them back no matter what. You may not, they may not be doing right. Don't get me wrong. But you get blessed. It's just the way God operates. You know, people have hurt us, haven't they? Anybody in here been hurt? I have. Anybody been obviously betrayed? Maybe it's like somebody just spit in your face. And maybe it was repetitively. Maybe it was, I mean, on and on and on that they continued to do that. And you want to say, why do you continue to do that? Why? Don't you understand you're hurting me? And it seems like maybe that person or persons have no type of feelings towards you. That they do that repetitively here. What does God call us, calls us to do? Call us to do. He calls us to forgive. And you say, yeah, but I've forgiven them. What do you give? Remember? You forgive 70 times 7. And you say, yeah, but that's 490. So after 490, I stop? No. What that means is you forgive and you forgive beyond 490. You forgive just like Jesus has forgiven you and me. How many of you in here know he's gone way past the 490 for your life? I can say that right now for me. Okay? But he says, keep on forgiving. I want peace with others. Keep on forgiving people that have betrayed you. And they keep on. And you go, yeah, but they deserve that. They, they deserve my coming back at them. They, they deserve that. Remember, Jesus stood there and didn't say anything. He didn't defend himself. We, our first thought is, i got to defend myself. And God said, no, I'm fighting for you. He said, forgive them. Forgive them. And what's happening when that takes place? Power is released. Power. The power of the Holy Spirit so that you have peace with God and the peace of God and peace with other people. Boy, we don't operate like that, do we? Why? It's because what we do is we try to take up an earthly type of stance. And we try to do what the earthly people and what our humanity tells us to do. We need to get back. I'm not going to let them get away with this because it was hurt too bad. You see, this is taking place today. Do you know? You know, we are told 
to forgive without limit. Just like Jesus. He's still forgiving you. He's forgiving me. He keeps on. You know, even when I don't realize it, he is. He's just that way. Isn't that good news? Good news. You want the peace with God and you want the peace of God? I certainly want that. And then I want the peace with other people. I remember some times ago, and y'all heard me share this. There were some people that hurt me. They were church folk. Real bad. And they lied about me. And they told things that weren't true. Whether they knew what really went on or not, I don't know. But they didn't tell the truth. And I remember, y'all have heard me tell the story before. And eventually, it erupted to a point to where I felt that I did not want to destroy the body of Christ. I wanted to leave, and I resigned, and I left. And I remember God dealing in my heart. And I had a man pray for me one time. And he obviously heard from the Lord very clearly. And he was praying over me, lay hands on me and pray for me. And he says, Jim, he said, the only thing I see is a whale. I said, a whale? What is that? If you remember what happened with Jonah. Jonah was told to go and preach to Nineveh because God wanted to bring revival. Remember, Jonah said, I'm not doing it. He went the opposite way. He ran from God. And remember what happened? Now, big fish, a lot of people say the whale. A big fish swallowed him. Remember that? Finally, because Jonah didn't like the Ninevites. Because Jonah said, they don't deserve revival. They don't deserve to know who you are, Jehovah God. And I'm out of here. Remember? And he ran. I knew what God was speaking to me. You know what he was saying? Don't run. Don't you run from this. And so we were in different parts of the city having dinner. And out of the clear blue, here I'm sitting there on the uh, southwest side of town. And here, lo and behold, one of the families came in that actually had spoken some things against me out of what I was just talking about. And I went, I looked and I, I couldn't believe it. Out of all, whatever, five, six million people in Houston, these, this couple walked in. And I told them, come on over. And I went, how to get it? I knew what God was doing. God was checking my heart to see whether or not that I had truly forgiven them, you see. And they sat down at the table. And God had given me grace to forgive each one of them. There was a, several families that had told things weren't true. And when they sat down, do you know, I didn't say, well, you know what you said was, this was, was it true? I said, no, that's not what God would do. Jesus wouldn't do that. I knew in my heart that I was clear. I knew in my heart that I had totally released them and forgiven them and that I could sit there at that table and have supper with them after they betrayed me and hurt me and sinned me terribly and truly know that I had no animosity towards them. None. Okay? I was in another part of town and I went in a doctor's office, little tiny doctor's office, whatever, six million people in the, in the city. And one of the other family members 
I go in, and he's sitting there. I went, hi, the world. And I knew immediately what God was doing. He was one that had caused the trouble. He and or had been a part of that. Whether or not it's a misunderstanding or whatever. Didn't think he different. It was a hurt, a wound in my heart. And see, some people can, can wound you down deep in your heart. And you go, I can't recover from this because it's too deep. And yet God can come and heal. And bind up the broken hearted. And I sat down beside him. And he went on and we just began to talk. I said, how are you doing? How's your wife? How's, her, how's she doing? And we talked for a while. And uh, I could tell, I said, I had no animosity towards him. I knew that God had given me grace to be able to forgive. And went on. And I said, bless him. You know what he did? Sometime later, he said, Jim, I, my mother's dying. Would you do a funeral? And I knew then, I said, I'm totally clear. From all of that, you said, you cannot carry this stuff, folks. It will eat your life. And then one same thing happened with another couple. The same thing out of the clear blue. And I knew that it was God because there's no way coincidentally. No, there are no circumstances in our lives, OK, that are not under God's control. No coincidence. They're God incidences. And I'm forgiven by his grace. OK. So no matter, no matter what's happened in your life, you've got to know that when you ask forgiveness and you forgive them, you release them. It may not come. The feelings may not be there right to begin with. I'm not, obviously, I know I'm human too. But if you go to the Lord and say, Lord, I know this person's hurt me deeply. But I know forgiveness is what I should do. And what forgiveness is, is an act of your will and saying, I will do this. Don't feel like it. But when you do it, the feelings will come later. Because when you come in a worship service like this today, you know, we worship and praise God and clap and sing and so forth. And you may have come in here and you may have been dry as a bone. You begin worshiping. The feelings will come later. To have peace with other people is one of the most important things. And God calls us, you say, the body of Christ is a reflection of Jesus Christ. When we act and begin to act and do what he's told us to do, we want to see it. There'll be a change. Not only in the body of Christ, but in our families, in our churches, uh, in society today. We've got to reflect that. We can't act like the world and hold that grudge. I think maybe sometimes some people have a grudge against God. And I just want to, I want to just pause a moment here. If you have, if you've, if you've got, Something that you're saying, God, I've been hurt. What, why are you doing this? Why are you allowing this hurt in my life? You're hurting me, God. And sometimes what happens is, is our hearts begin to turn and say, God Almighty, I, I, I just, you see, you need to just forgive yourself from that. Forgive yourself and know that God is there. You can do that. God is big and he can forgive. He can release you from that. He is restorer of all things, okay? And the Redeemer. And He can take those issues in your life and my life that look like they're unredeemable and redeem them. That's what's He in. He's in the business of redeeming. So if there's anybody that you have not forgiven today, I just encourage you. Somebody you haven't extended mercy to. Extend mercy to them. And put it in God's hands. Let Him be the one that you go to. 
He is, obviously, our strong tower. And those who run to Him shall be saved. Let's pray today. Father, we thank You for Your Word, Your truth, and we bless You. We praise You. Father, thank You. Lord, You got it right. And You're teaching us, and we're growing. And Lord, we just love You. We praise You. Lord, Your ways are perfect. Everything you do, Lord, is beyond our understanding. And we ask you today, Lord, to touch every heart here. If there is anything on their hearts today, unforgiveness, maybe uh, we have an extended mercy. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. We deserve damnation. I ask you today, just as the day would be the day, to release it in your hands and they will get free, totally free. The feelings will come. But we choose this day to forgive. And Father, if we have someone watching this or in here doesn't have peace with you, we know that the one who reconciled us to you, his name is Jesus. He paid the penalty. Reach out and believe and put your faith in Christ. Just say, I believe you, Jesus. You died for me. And we know that... In my heart of hearts, I want to go to heaven with you when I die. And I want to live for you each and every day. Something warm has touched my heart here today. And I want my life changed because of you. And Lord Jesus, I want the peace of God. If there are struggles, if there are things that we're going through, whatever it may be, whatever the issue is, with all things, we right now ask you that peace would fill people's hearts. I ask for an impartation of peace in the people here today and those watching, an impartation of the Holy Spirit and peace. We need that. There'd be any type, anything that's on our heart, we know, God, you reveal it. And help us, Lord, to yield and submit to you. Thank you, Lord, for your presence today, decisions being made, and hearts being changed, because that's who you are. And we bless you. We pray this week for healing for those that are under the weather. We ask, Father, for restoration, strength, power. And then those, Lord, in all the circumstances of life, the disappointments we've had, we ask you today to bring healing and to bring wholeness. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you for watching. And Hopefully you will join us next week. We're glad you tuned in and pray God bless you richly this week. You know, you can bless somebody. Just go up. God bless you. People are looking at that. You can open the door. If you're a man, open the door for a woman. If you are there, step aside. Let a woman walk past you. Whatever it is, those old-fashioned things, we need a bunch of it happening again, don't we? All right, church, amen? We need to kind of return to some of those things. The, uh, to uh, lay our lives down for other people. Have a great week. Join us next week. God bless you. Amen. Thank you, Lord.